one day, you know, I was trying to make an assessment of where am I going to take the company? Uh, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? Where's it going to look like 15 years from now? And, you know, at that moment in time, it hit me, you know, agencies are tremendously under pressure. Uh, the model as a whole is under pressure. So it hit me with the thoughts, you know, there might not be a company 10, 15 years from now. The path to success is paved with fear, doubt, anxiety, and failure. For some people, it's just too much. Others have the grit and determination to overcome. These are their stories. Welcome to the When It Worked podcast. I am your host, Julian Leahy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to When It Worked. You're with Julian Leahy. And today I've got a couple of gentlemen, and they're in different parts of the world. Christian Heinen and Himanshu Srivastava. Yeah, that, that's perfect. You pronounce it perfect. Wonderful. Now, uh, these gentlemen have created a very interesting business that I'm sort of interested in. It has to do with the gig economy. And we've seen um, a lot of sites that we're familiar with, Fiverr, Freelancer.com. And also, I have seen Design Bro before. So they have a very successful business in the gig economy. And I'm very interested in talking to them about it. And um, Christian, tell us a little bit about how you went from having an agency to identifying an opportunity to move into this gig economy. Uh, first of all, thanks, Julian, for having us. It's, uh, it's really great to be here. Um, uh, secondly, you know, yeah, um, to, to dive straight into it, you're right. I, I had an agency for about 12 years based in London. And uh, one day, you know, I was trying to make an assessment of where am I going to take the company? Uh, what's it going to look like 10 years from now? Where's it going to look like 15 years from now? And, you know, at that moment in time, it hit me, you know, agencies are tremendously under pressure. Uh, the model as a whole is under pressure. So it hit me with the thoughts, you know, there might not be a company 10, 15 years from now. So from, from that point onwards, I started to try and imagine, okay, well, that's not going to be there. What type of business will take over? What will disrupt the agency world? And that's really what, what sort of got Design Bro started. And, you know, I can talk about this for hours, so I, I won't go into every little detail there, but that, that's the that's the story in a nutshell. Yeah, and um, what were some of the challenges? I mean, going from a, 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 an agency where, okay, I've got clients, I sell things to clients, I need to get new clients, and then it's a completely different idea of, of creating this um, gig-based business. So how did you go about, first of all, attracting service providers and then getting people to use the service? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, you know, with a marketplace, it's, it's always a challenge to sort of keep both sides in balance, and, and especially in, in the very beginning, because you need very good service providers, uh, not not just regular service providers. I mean, we, we like to say we're, we're agency quality design. So that means you literally need agency level designers to be able to make those designs. Um, and then at the same time, you need your first customers. And, you know, and even then, I would take it even a step back further, because you know, of course, in the first instance, I thought, well, maybe we can do this from the agency point of view, you know, and, and um, the more I, I tried to, to look into that, trying to morph an existing company into something different, it, it becomes like trying to steer an oil tanker, you know, it, it, it's, it's really an impossible task as, as a whole. And that's really why Design Bro started from really from the ground up. And that's when things, of course, became particularly challenging from, from that point of view. 
Um, I was lucky enough that because I had been in the industry long enough that I was able to reach out to some of the existing designers that I knew uh, from in my own network uh, that I knew were able to deliver, you know, a fantastic uh, quality. Um, and, you know, we started off with, with a relatively small crowd of designers um, and we started to sort of work for smaller clients that were also within my network. And it really sort of started on, on a really micro scale. At the same time, of course, we needed a fully functional platform because there were some competitors out there already. You, you named Fiverr, and there's quite a few more out there um, that I feel do something slightly differently. But uh, especially when, when you look at the, the type of companies that they target and you know the, the type of quality that they try to deliver. Um, so I, I think that the biggest differentiator for us was we wanted to really deliver that agency level um, uh, design works and um, so balancing that was incredibly difficult but uh, we had to start really small but we had to be, be fully functional at the same time so that, that was that was quite tricky yeah and um like you say there there are a few uh, types of businesses out there that are in involved in this space and one of the first ones that i was heavily using was called getafreelancer.com and then they got they became freelancer.com. They got bought out by a corporate, and the platform became horrible uh, to use. And then then I started to see Fiverr, and as you mentioned, Fiverr is good for convenience, but the quality is very iffy. And I noticed you guys are definitely doing something different. So how have you been able to create something that differentiates from a lot of the other big names out there? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, and you know that 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 really goes to the core of it uh, as well. Um, you know, for, first of all, let's say a, a platform like Fiverr tends to be, let's say, you're hiring a, a single designer, very much like like freelancer.com that you mentioned as well. So, first of all, we believe that when uh, a customer is trying to find a designer, they don't really know yet what they're looking for, so they need a couple of different options and probably want to sort of get a feel for who do I really want to work with. So from that point of view, the contest model is interesting from a first touch uh, point of view. Uh, but going beyond that, you want to still continue working with that one designer that you really like. So there, there, there's, let's say, the two sides of things. On the other hand, if you start going into, let's say, the 99 design type of platforms where it's really more about crowdsourcing, then you start to get a little bit of a, of a race to the bottom in the sense that you know, if you're going to invite 100 people to pitch on a single project, you know, but you're only paying $300, you know, then you're only essentially paying $3 per design that you're getting delivered. So how much time does the designer really put in? So, you know, they're, they're, each platform has their own challenges, so to speak. Uh, and, and that's where we tried to really balance um, the amount of designers that can take part for a specific price level on one hand. Uh, and at the same time, we, we vet all of the designers quite stringently that are allowed to work on the platform. So what is the process? Uh, because the other platforms, it's just open. Any Tom, Dick and Harry can call themselves an expert and offer services. Uh, so you guys are actually vetting the service providers. Can you tell us a bit about that process? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's it's no different than what an agency does, really, in, in the sense that you know when a designer goes to an agency, they come with their portfolio of works. You know who they work for, what are the type of works that they have created, 
And you know, in, in us in our setting, that happens a little bit more virtual because you know you don't actually have a have a you know uh, the designer sitting across the table from you. But we do have it in a in a more of a virtual setting where they have to upload you know their resume, where they have to upload you know the the, the works that they have worked on their portfolio, and where they have to also you know uh, explain a little bit more about it why those works match the specific briefing that they were working on at that moment in time and then you know that gets fed into the system then we have a team of design experts um that have you know 10 plus years in the, in the industry uh that then assess those different portfolios and if they have specific questions for that uh, designer they will get in touch with them so it's a it's a manual process but we think we feel that is really the the core the most important part because once you start letting every uh tom dick and harry in like you say then you're going to have a lot of problems down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've noticed that um, a lot of the types of work that you guys are doing, it seems to, you seem to niche in a certain area. Which is the biggest type of service uh, that people go to to you for? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, we, we have, let's say, we have a differentiation between, um, we have two different types of customers. We have, let's say, uh, uh, small, medium enterprises, startups. You know, that, that, that's one one side of our business. For those, everything seems to start with a logo in the very first instance, because of course they need a brand. And based on that brand, then of course we we aim to build a, a longer relationship with them. And then you start getting the websites, socials in certain cases. You know, everything else that they that they need. Um, we also work for larger corporates, and you know, we do this on a uh, on a slightly more customized scale, uh, but then you, you're starting to look at more at, for instance, packaging design, or uh, you know, in some cases, the UI UX design uh, for uh, for complete platform redesigns. So you know that those are, let's say, that the two different areas and, and the type of product, even though extremely similar, are are very different. On the other hand, again. And how do you go? Um, you mentioned that you you try to establish like a long term relationship. So if somebody was to come to you for their logo, they're starting out. Um, what do you have built into your processes to sort of guide them along to other things that they need? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, uh, in in the very first instance, I think when people start launching their very first logos, and it's, it's kind of a an exciting moment, isn't it? Because all of a sudden your dream is becoming a reality. Uh, and uh, I find very people that uh, they've either been burnt in the past and, and have had, you know, difficult experiences with different platforms or different designers that didn't deliver. Uh, and so they're, they're sometimes quite hesitant going into the process. And I believe if you just start that process with that one first project, you start to feel comfortable. You start to trust the other person uh, on the other side. You start to trust that they can deliver what it is that you need. And so from that um, trust, that's where you start building, let's say, the relationship. And uh, and also, you know, very much credits to the, to the great designers that we have on the platform, that they start to further build those relationships with the clients through the platform. And that's where it's very important that we as a platform supply a fantastic service and also make work for the designers and the clients easier to uh, to actually do it through our platform rather than to try and bypass things. Yeah, just make it work well the first time and uh, they continue to use it. And also just to add, you know, in this, Julian, what Christian has said is that uh, we also take a lot of pride in the design we deliver. So we 
leverage our own social media platforms to give that extra push to you know startups so for example we create testimonials we have we showcase the work we do so that they also get a little bit push from our side on the social so that it just we help them to spread more positive words about them that's interesting uh, i don't think many of the other ones do that yeah, yeah. more faceless corporations yeah now um with this podcast, when it worked, I, I often ask people, can you tell me about a moment in the process of when you're building this business where everything went wrong, you had a big stuff up or failure, which I'm sure you would have had. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh, well, we, we've had several. I mean, <laughs> um, which one to pick? Um, well, we had an interesting moment uh, a couple of weeks ago when all of a sudden we had a um, uh, a Google Cloud uh, invoice, which was, you know, let, let's just say we could buy a very nice car from the amount that all of a sudden was spent in about 10 days time. So, you know, that, that was definitely a moment that you go like, oh my, what happened there? You know, that, that's that's pretty much a, a half year marketing budget that uh, that sort of disappeared in uh, in 10 days time. And, you know, credits to Google though. I mean, they they um, they recognize the, the charges being fraudulent and they, uh, they made it all go away. But uh, that was definitely uh, two weeks of my life that uh, that felt a little bit uh, on edge. So that, that that's one example. Um, different moments are uh, are you know when we in the very first instance, and I'm sure a lot of founders have this issue that when we we built the platform, you know, it took us a year to really build out all the technology, everything. You know, you build your digital shop, everything is done. You know, you're you're ready to go. You're there. You know. You cut the ribbon, so to speak. You're open for business, and then it's like, oh, where's the customers? Silence. <laughs> That's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, can you tell me the moment when it worked, the turning point where you go, I think we're going to pull this off? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was actually about three or four weeks after that. We started to find our first uh, channels of uh of where customers were coming from and you know in, in the beginning we tried to advertise a, a lot on google and that was well um wasn't, wasn't working for us for our field at least uh, at least not with uh, with many of the campaigns and you know that there, there was zero roi in the, in the in the in the first instance and you know at a specific moment in time we started to uh to sort of optimize better for the google search engines and we started to rank on specific keywords and all of a sudden you know uh it's like you start to get some hits in, you know, and and, and we had some of our uh, existing customers that we had gotten through the platform write some positive reviews. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you went from like almost no customers per week to, you know, having one or more per day. And all of a sudden you start to feel like, hey, hey, there's something going on here. And and that, that was a great moment. We uh, we used to actually mark them on on a wall. Uh, we, we had this very tiny office in a, in a shared office space in Amsterdam, and you know the, the first year we we drew a line on the wall every time we got a customer in. Yeah, and um, was that from creating content and putting it out there, like videos? How how were you uh, getting that uh, footprint on Google? Yeah, it's a very good question because you know the problem is that the space in which we uh, in which we operate, like you say, there's already some big players out there. Um, um, so you know, a lot of keywords were quite competitive. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it was more about identifying which ones were less competitive, and then to try and make the uh, the content match as good as possible with that. 
So you did keyword analysis and then created your content around that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and trying to find, of course, areas which were, you know, less less difficult, yeah. Yeah, right, interesting. And um, and you, you found that uh, once you started getting a bit of social proof, you, you, you started to see things really take off. It was a big difference, absolutely. Wonderful. All right, well, there's some good tips there uh, for all you people out there that are in the struggle, in the grind, building your business, maybe you're building an agency, or maybe you are looking for some guys that can help you get some of this work done, uh, whether it be getting a logo done, uh, building out you know, your, your, your website system and all of that. Um, I think this is a better option than using someone like freelancer.com. I would much rather use uh, DesignBro, who has more of an in-house personal touch. They care about the developers that they've got on board. They care about the work, and they'll give you a bit of a shout-out on social media as well. Um, so that is designbro.com. Yeah, designbro.com. Forget Fiverr. Don't go to Fiverr ever again. <laughs> Thanks, Julian. No worries. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for coming on. Some good information there. Christian and Hamanchu from designbro.com. Fantastic. Have a great no day. Thanks. See you, everyone. See you, everyone, next time. Bye.